If you're listening to this podcast, you're probably already a leader who understands the importance of diversity, equity, and inclusion. That's probably true, but there could be some listeners out there who want to learn more about this. Yeah, so if you're one of those listeners, you want to learn more, or even if you're a leader who already knows about it but just needs to get some reinforcements on the message, then today's episode is for you. Our guest is Deloria Nelson, former Disney leader in human resources, and we're going to learn about her approach to diversity, equity, and inclusion, and also hear her best leadership advice. Stay with us. Welcome. I'm your host, J.B. Adams. And I'm your host, Rebecca Morgan. In this series, we bring you conversations with experienced leaders. Because a leader is anyone who influences change, we want to understand not just what leaders do, but who they are and how they can be effective in a rapidly changing world. We hope you'll learn some things about our guests, about our topic, and also about yourself. This is Leadership Life Stories. You can find episodes of this and all other Victor Media Group shows on our website at victormediagroup.co. And if you like what you're hearing, subscribe and connect with us on your favorite social media platform. We'll be right back after this important message. Well, hi there, listeners. It's Rebecca Morgan. If you told my younger self you are going to love talking about leadership, and when you grow up, you will lead hundreds and develop thousands of managers and leaders and create great places to work, I would have laughed at the idea because I was focused on becoming a dolphin trainer. Yeah, while I still love dolphins, what I really love to do is leadership development. So much so that I created the Awesome Leader League, the ultimate collection of people-centered leadership skills to help you be a better leader. If you're looking for ways to become more confident and an effective people-centered leader that people will trip over their own feet to follow, this is your resource. And did I mention we do it in 20 minutes or less? Join us now at theawesomeleaderleague.com. Welcome to Leadership Life Stories. I'm Rebecca Morgan and my co-host is JB Adams. This season of Leadership Life Stories is devoted to examining Disney leadership as Walt Disney World celebrates its 50th anniversary. This episode is the second half of a two-part interview with DeLorean Nelson. She served as a human resources manager at the Walt Disney World Resort from 1998 to 2007, working in employee relations and compliance. She currently serves as the president of Authentic Culture and Engagement Solutions, also known as ACE Solutions, where she energizes and engages workforce transformation as a coach and consultant, focusing on culture, diversity, equity, and inclusion. This segment is called The Greatest Adversity, and it's an opportunity to acknowledge that leaders are human and each of us has challenges that we face. Now, Rebecca, we need to do some context setting in this particular segment. So what do we want to say? For over six decades, Disney has had four keys of service excellence. They are not a secret. Everyone knows that they are. The four keys are safety, courtesy, show, and efficiency. And when you're a cast member, you learn these four keys in orientation. Disney orientation is also known as traditions. And they are reinforced repeatedly throughout the culture. In March 2021, Disney announced that they were adding a fifth key. Inclusion. So you'll hear us discuss our reactions to the five keys of Disney service. Five keys, not four. Five, five, five keys. We always start this segment by asking the guests to name it. So the next voice you'll hear is Deloria Nelson labeling her greatest adversity. The inclusion illusion. The inclusion illusion. Mm. Tell us what that means. Yeah, well, I think 
When you think about Disney and the diverse properties, you think it has all of this diversity and inclusion. It had the diversity, but the inclusion really wasn't there. And even most of the diversity was at the, the frontline level, at the entry level. Mm -hmm. And so the conversion was pretty slow. So I think that was adversity. It was tough. The appearance guidelines. I mean, I know it's hard to believe, but this beautiful hairstyle that I have now and I have locks. Oh, that's right. This is a podcast. They can't see it. Good <laughs> grief. Okay. Anyway, I mean, I couldn't wear my hair like this at Disney because at the time I was at Disney locks, some people call them dreadlocks. They were not a part of the appearance guidelines. And so I didn't, I did what I was supposed to do. But I remember this one time in particular, it was near the latter part of my tenure at Disney. And my hair was just really annoying me. I was pregnant, my hormones were all over the place. And so I had gotten my hair cut and I had it in what's called two strand twists. But I remember literally being examined, my hair being examined by somebody saying, Okay, wait, 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 I'm gonna I'm gonna slow you down. Okay. You didn't just have somebody examine your hair. Somebody said, Hey, Deloria, you need to go and be in this place at this time. I mean, how did it truly come down? I, you know, I don't even remember. And it's funny, I'm not gonna say the name. I remember the person that did it. And it's funny because it was someone that I really respected. When I talked about the people that encouraged me to come to Disney this was that gentleman. Now, I think we've all evolved and I recognize that he was just doing his job. But think about, I mean, they're literally looking at my hair to decide, is my hairstyle acceptable or not? And then he said, well, if it's not, then you can just put a scarf on. What the hell? <laughs> Sorry, I don't, I can't really come up with a better, but, and what's so funny is, I don't remember being all that offended at the time, right? I mean, I didn't mm -hmm. like it, but I think like a lot of cast members, the guidelines were the guidelines. And so I don't remember feeling as offended then as I am now, if I look back at the story, because I think we just accepted that these were the guidelines, but the inclusion illusion was that there was an illusion of all of this inclusion but it wasn't real. It was more about sameness. It was more about, you know, following the, the company line. It was more about, we should do all these things. And I think it was couched in, this will make a great culture, but you're trying to create a culture, not a cult, right? And, and there's a difference. Yeah, and for the sake of our listeners, I want to have you define for us because people are now very accustomed to hearing the words diversity and inclusion, inclusion and diversity. They go together, they go hand in hand, but they mean different things. So clarify them for us. Sure, sure. So diversity is what happens naturally. It really just means differences. So whether you're talking about race, LGBTQ, different statuses, it's just having different people. So I will say that Disney had a level of diversity, right? I mean, just the fact that we had Epcot and we had a lot of people from other countries there, you saw a lot of people that looked different and spoke different languages. So the diversity existed. There was very little inclusion. And what inclusion says, and there are all these different phrases that people say, diversity is about counting numbers. Inclusion is about making numbers count. I've heard people say, Diversity is about getting an invitation to the party. Inclusion is being asked to dance. But basically inclusion means that your voice is valued. 
And so although you're there, you're included. You're a decision maker. You're someone who is valued for what you bring, although it may be different. And that includes a different perspective. So I think the diversity was there. The diversity was not at higher levels. The higher up you went, the more white the company got. But the inclusion wasn't there because even though you were diverse, it was kind of like we all should act the same. So you can all look different and speak different languages, but your thought process needs to be similar. Now, nothing is absolute. And so I'm not saying all. I talked about how wonderful Mary Beth was and that she understood individuality, but I think it just wasn't there. Now, the good news is when you know better, you do better. That's what my grandmother used to say, right? And so I think we've all evolved. I taught a class yesterday. The definition of professionalism has evolved, right? Because I can assure you that my performance didn't change with my hairstyle change, right? I even talk about it in class. You know, people say curly hair is less professional than straight hair. So we have to unlearn a lot of things. And it's not just Disney. A lot of us have to unlearn things that we've been taught. And I feel good that I think that evolution is really beginning. I know they recently added a fifth key, which is inclusion, which is huge. So I'm I'm hoping and I know that they're starting to understand it better, just like I am now. But that is something that was very disappointing because for all of the talk about rave, which was the saying then for diversity, respect, appreciate and value everyone. I think it was more talked about than actually a lived experience. You just mentioned something. I want to follow up on that. Tell us about your opinion of the fifth key, inclusion. I think it makes sense. I think you have to be inclusive because just having people there, but not valuing their voices or including them, it's kind of like, I call it window dressing, right? You have this mannequin, you have this stuff that looks good, but it's not real. So I'm excited that the company is evolving and that inclusion is becoming a reality. Just out of curiosity, and in the same vein that you just mentioned, do you think you saw other examples of adversity for yourself or the people around you with regard to appearance guidelines? In other words, what do you think the appearance guidelines said then? And what do you think the appearance guidelines say now? Yeah, I think what they said then was, this is the Disney look, and that's what they called it. Remember, we had a Disney look book. And it was, it was so restrictive. And they started changing along the way because the one thing we learn is when you want to get the best talent, talent isn't always willing to shrink themselves and, you know, the square person isn't going to become round and fit in your peg. And so I think they started realizing that their ability to attract great diverse talent was being minimized by those guidelines. I remember the first change was the facial hair, right? There was a big thing with facial hair and they did studies and they realized that a lot of African-American and Hispanic men weren't going to shave their facial hair because that felt like a cultural thing that they knew. So it's evolved. But if you think about it, the value of a person is so much bigger than appearance. And I have come to believe and I train people that professionalism is a behavior. It's not a look, right? Yeah. <laughs> it, I just think I'm, I'm glad the evolution is happening because it was very restrictive and you felt like you had to give up some of who you are 
to fit in. And although I did it somewhat, I'll never forget when I started Disney, I had a relaxer, which you put in your hair because our hair is so naturally curly. That's the only way it can be straightened. But I only kept it for a year. I kept my hair in this nice little relaxed style until I got my first performance review and it was clearly outstanding, which was like one of the highest ratings you could get. As soon as I got that clearly outstanding rating, I got my hair braided and I have been natural ever since because I didn't want to have to change the texture of my hair, but I knew I had to play the game. But once they said, you're clearly outstanding, I was like, I'm just going to be myself. I'm going to be myself. I've been myself since then. I think another thing I learned about Disney is what I was or wasn't willing to give up to, to ascend, right? And being authentic and true to myself was always so much more valuable than checking a box and being promoted to president or vice president. And guess what? I'm president now of my own company. And so I've learned a lot and it was a great company, but there were definitely some blind spots that I'm hoping and I believe with inclusion being added are now things that the company can see. What message would you give to leaders now about inclusion? Like what is something leaders could do now to be more inclusive? It's about recognizing that there is no one right way. There is no one correct perspective or vision. I teach a class on inclusive leadership and there are certain keys. Curiosity is one of them. Be curious about other people, other cultures. Don't think you have it figured out, right? Cultural intelligence, learn about other cultures, have courage and not just courage to challenge other people, but to challenge processes and to challenge policies and value people for what they bring. Because the studies have shown the more diverse ideas and opinions, the better it is. It takes a little longer, right? So it's not going to be as easy, but you won't have as many blind spots because just like as you look through a kaleidoscope, and depending on how you turn it, you can all see something different. It's all beautiful, but it's different. And when you can piece that together, man, you're going to have a team of people that know they can bring their whole self to work and they will work like nobody's business because you value them individually and you aren't trying to force them into being somebody else. I just want to repeat that as the message to leaders. Create a place where people can bring their whole selves Amen. to work. So Rebecca, let's talk about our reflections from what Deloria Nelson said about the inclusion illusion. I love that term. And I think so many times we lump diversity and inclusion together. And I think we're doing it a huge disservice by doing that. I think they are completely separate and how she explains it. You're like, ah, I see it. They are. And I love that she shared about her grandmother that says, you know, when you know better, you do better. And absolutely, that's a message for us all. As we evolve, we need to continue down this evolution that people are included and they have a voice and that their voice matters. And that's how we make the world a better place. And we make the work environment a better place that everyone can show up and do their very best work. What about you, JB? What's your takeaway? I was a cast member in 1994. And that is when the company rolled out its diversity initiative, which I think was part of performance excellence. And at the time, I remember thinking, yes, of course, this makes sense. We serve the entire world, we should look like the entire world, and we should have diversity at all levels of our organization, not just the front line, but all throughout the levels of leadership as well. 
So I also erroneously believed at the time, because I was young, that if I was going through a diversity initiative, then the whole world must be going through a diversity initiative. Mm -hmm. And I was disappointed to learn over the time that has passed that the rest of the world has not caught up to this message. So I just want to say to anybody out there who maybe you are not familiar with diversity and inclusion, it's only going to continue. It is the right thing to do. It's also good business practice. So accept it, embrace it, advocate for it, because it's, like I said, it's the right thing to do. And it is the trend that you cannot stop. Mm -hmm. No better, do better. Exactly. Our guest is Deloria Nelson, and when we come back, we'll hear her describe her greatest accomplishment and how she defines success. Please stay with us. Welcome back to Leadership Life Stories. I'm JB Adams, my co-host is Rebecca Morgan, and our guest is Deloria Nelson former leader in Disney Human Resources and current president of Authentic Culture and Engagement Solutions, also known as ACE Solutions. This segment is called The Greatest Accomplishment, and it gives us a chance to understand how you define success. So, Deloria, how do you define success? Wow. That's a good question. I think, and I like how you even phrased it, how do I define success? Because I think people get off track when they let others define success for them. Mm -hmm. So for me, success is living authentically, being able to help people find their gifts and just being the best version of myself possible. That's success. It's not about titles, not about money. It's being able to sleep at night, knowing that you're leading with love and interacting with integrity. So yeah, that's success for me. I love it. It's so good. Okay. <laughs> Is there an accomplishment that pops into mind when you think about success? You know what? Accomplishment. I think for me, my biggest accomplishment has been helping others realize that they have a gift that they can give to the world and only they can give it. It's like, I think your gifts are as unique as your DNA. And just, I think, helping people find their gifts. Our culture sometimes just drives home so much. You got to do this. You need to be this by this level. And people that don't hear that, you know, they march to the beat of a different drummer. They get lost sometimes. But I have met some amazing people that just were in the wrong space. And so as a coach, it's successful when I can tell somebody, you are awesome. You got to go somewhere where they will recognize and honor you're awesome. And it's just not here. And so my greatest accomplishment was learning to find that light and to help people find their light. And that is amazing to me. That's bigger and better than any title that could ever be bestowed upon me because I am recognizing the authenticity and beauty of each individual. Yeah, that's everything. Okay, Deloria, I'm going to draw a straight line between what you just said and imagining that there's someone listening and they're thinking, I need this job and I'm not going to rock the boat and I can't bring my whole self to work because it's too dangerous or too uncomfortable. There's too much to lose. What, what, what's your advice to this person, somebody who we would say is in this compromised situation? I think delay is not denial. I mean, I'm also a realist. So sometimes you got to do what you have to do, right? 
we have economic pressures, we have things we have to do. So I would never advise somebody just quit, you know, because once again, when you lead with love, I see their whole situation. And I see that they may be a single parent or they just got this new car. And there have been times where you have to kind of hold on a little bit. Delay is not denial. So I would say, learn what you can while you're there, start sharpening and getting more things in your toolbox. But you do have to make a transition because the longer you stay in an environment that does not respect or appreciate you, the more you lose little pieces of yourself. I get it. I've told people I've kicked doors open that other people walk through, you know, and everybody has a different style. Some people have quiet courage, right? So I'm not advising you to just tear down the house, but I'm saying you can't let somebody tear you down because every little piece of self-esteem that you have, when people keep telling you that's the wrong way, you're no good at this. Why are you messing up? It impacts you. So come up with a plan, give yourself a timeline, and start looking for something different. Learn what you can. And sometimes there are things we have to learn about ourselves. So it's okay, but it can't be permanent. Deloria, there was a great example that you shared with us previously at one of your earlier jobs. Could you share that example with us? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it was kind of interesting. So I've, we've talked a little bit about the fact that one of the things I want to do is help people find their light. And that kind of resonates with me regardless. And people sometimes think that's weird and you're like, but you're in employee relations. Well, anyway, there was a gentleman that worked with me and I don't even remember the situation, but he ended up being terminated. And we interacted during the termination conversation. And probably two or three years later, I get an email and I'm like, who is this person? And he talks about how, I don't know if you remember me, but you were always so kind to me. In the midst of this horrible situation, I'm being fired from the company. You showed me so much respect. I want to tell you what I've been doing since. You know, after losing that job and losing that level of pay, I floundered a little bit. And I think losing that job, though, helped me to figure out what my purpose was. I am now a priest. I gave up all the earthly goods and I'm living my best life and I love it. And I just wanted to tell you thank you for the impact that you had on my life and the fact that you showed me respect and love and care in the midst of an ugly situation. And I was like, oh, that letter has meant and means more to me than any recognition that I could ever get from a VP or whatever, because it means that my light is shining the way I want it to. And I impacted somebody's life, which is success to me. So yeah, that, that, oh man, it made my day. I was just like, oh, I was probably a puddle, but it, it made a big difference to me. All right, Rebecca, let's reflect on what Deloria Nelson said for her greatest accomplishment. I think a lot about that. You never know the impact that you're going to have on people. Like it could be small. You could think it's insignificant. You could just be saying something in passing or just, or you could be sitting down and taking the time to really help someone through something, but you never know the impact that your time, whether it be small or big has on someone. So what you're saying is you have to show up every single day because you don't know when might be the moment that you're making an impact on somebody's life. It could be right now. It's, it's all the time. 
right? Is exactly. that what you're Well, you just got to be your best every single day because you can't pick the moments. The moments when you think that you're, I have something grandiose to say, and this is going to change your life. Like that, that never, that ne that's not how it happens. It's these small things where you're truly showing that you care and that you care for the other person. That's what makes the difference. Yeah. And those add up over time. Absolutely. But you never know which ones are going to add up. So you just got to be your best self every day with the intention of caring for people. I can get behind that. Okay. Our guest is Deloria Nelson. And when we come back, we'll hear more about her best advice to leaders. Stay with us. Welcome back to Leadership Life Stories. I'm JB Adams. My co-host is Rebecca Morgan, and our guest is Deloria Nelson, former leader in Disney Human Resources and current president of Authentic Culture and Engagement Solutions, also known as ACE Solutions. You left Disney in 2007. Tell us what you're working on now. Tell us what ACE Solutions does. Authentic Culture and Engagement Solutions. What I learned a lot about culture is culture isn't what is written in books. It's how you treat people. It's the lived experience. I also recognize that a leadership trait that is sometimes missing is authenticity. I also came to understand that for people to really be engaged, they have to feel like they're included. They have to feel like their voice is valued. So for me, Authentic Culture and Engagement Solutions is a consulting and coaching firm that is all about helping companies enhance their culture through inclusion, which will impact engagement. And it's really funny, I'll be honest, I didn't put diversity and inclusion in the title of my business, and that was intentional because they did a survey and they asked CEOs what their priorities were, and they all set culture. When they asked them about inclusion or diversity, it was further down on the list. It was kind of there, but it wasn't as serious. But what I realize is it doesn't really matter what you call it, but the reality is you cannot create a sustainable culture without inclusion. And without inclusion, you're not going to have engagement. And if people aren't coming to work engaged, you're not going to come up with the most creative or the best products. A culture needs the majority of the people engaged to flourish, but no one is engaged if they don't feel included. So I wasn't gonna be distracted by the words because I knew that to really have a dynamic culture where people wanna come to work, they work together, they bring their best self, they needed inclusion. And so I just came up with the name. I have some amazing clients now, and I will tell you, I really am living my best professional life. I love it. Earlier, you talked about cultural values and you talked about diversity and inclusion. And I want you to like give us your initial reaction to what I'm calling reconcile the balance. So we do have to have shared cultural values. Absolutely. But we need to have diversity and inclusion. How much is too much? What is striking the right balance look like to you in the 21st century and in, in this year 2021? Yeah. And the good news is because I do have an employee relations background, mm -hmm. I'm not saying come on, it's a free for all, everybody do whatever they want to do. And the world will, you know, it's not about singing kumbaya and holding hands, right? Because you do need some level of structure. But I think it's, 
allowing people to be their best selves, to be productive and not be distracted by policies or rules that make no sense. You know, the death of creativity is we've always done it this way. And I think companies have to really tell themselves the truth and dig into their policies and their norms to find where bias hides, because there are a lot of biases in processes. So, you know, an analysis, an introspection to see, am I able to attract the best talent? And even when I attract them, are they staying? Is there high retention? Is there turnover? Because once they get there, can they share a different viewpoint and we hear it or we just go, oh, no, that makes no sense. So create a culture where people can be authentic. The first question is who's at the table, right? Because if everybody's at the table, looks the same and thinks the same, then when you come up with ideas that are not healthy for your company or your brand, no one's going to say anything because everybody's high-fiving each other because we all think the same. But this is also what happens sometimes. You can have diversity at the table, but they're not included. You can create a culture where I will reward you for agreeing. And when people say I disagree or they point things out, they get smacked down. And so you can say you have an authentic culture all day long, but if people don't feel like they are empowered or supported when they have point counterpoint, they won't. So two things happen. Either there's no diversity at the table or your culture silences that. Check for your blind spots because you would much rather someone internally say, hey, I don't think that's a good idea. That may be culturally inappropriate, whatever. Then it hit the mainstream media. I mean, social media is not very forgiving. And when it blows up, it not only affects the, the morale of your employees, your ability to recruit, it literally will impact your bottom line. So create a culture where people can tell the truth without fear of retaliation. And, you know, there's going to be some rules that we have to follow, but let them feel like they don't have two jobs to do because sometimes people feel like they have two jobs. They have to make you comfortable with them and their differences and do their job. That's too much. You're using too much energy and trying to fit in. Let me come and do my job and be valued and I will work forever. When people can be valued and bring their whole self to work, they do more, not less. They don't take advantage of it. They shine and they want to do everything they can for that company to, to grow because they recognize the company supports them and who they are, and they in turn want to support that company. That's great advice for the leader of any organization, large or small. So as you think about what has brought us all together, this examination of leadership on the 50th anniversary of Walt Disney World, what would you like to share with our listeners? I would say that it's about learning to lead with love, with authenticity, with courage. We can look different, think different, love different people, but everybody wants to be appreciated and valued for what they bring. If you can support people and help bring out the best in them, then you will succeed, not just in being a leader, but in being a good person and in being a positive influence. It's really that simple. Deloria Nelson, thank you for joining us on Leadership Life Stories and sharing your story. It has been my absolute pleasure. 
Thank you, JB, as well as Rebecca. And, you know, we're just trying to spread light and love. All right, Rebecca, what's your uh, reflection on hearing Deloria's best advice to leaders? Well, I wanted to talk about why I'm crying again, and um, it's because Deloria gets it. I'll tell you, she gets what leadership is all about. It's about caring for people, letting them be their authentic self so they can do their best work and feel fulfilled and satisfied at work and in life. She gets it. And that is why I cry, because so many of our leaders on this show just get it. Yeah, they do. And I completely agree. And it's an honor to talk to leaders who really get it. I don't think there's anything further that I could say that would add any substance. So this is the end of part two of a two-part interview with DeLorean Nelson. Come back again next time. We'll have another Disney leader for you. And with that, Rebecca Morgan, I would like to say thank you so much for being my co-host on Leadership Life Stories. I never stop learning new things from you, and I couldn't do it without you. Thank you, JB. So come back again next time. We'll see you in the next episode. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again soon with another episode. You can find Leadership Life Stories and all other Victor Media Group podcasts at victormediagroup.co. Leadership Life Stories was created by JB Adams and executive produced by Gerard Mitchell. Today's episode was co-hosted by Rebecca Morgan and JB Adams. Sound designed by Michael Orlowski, mixing and editing by Manny Simone. It's the mission of Victor Media Group to make the world a better place by making ourselves better people. If you like this show, follow us at Victor Media Group on your favorite social media platform. This is JB Adams, and until next time, remember, if you can dream it, you can do it.